Good morning, everybody. My name is Larry Jacobs, and welcome to a very interesting show we're going to have today on the 7th of September, 2023. It's a pleasure to have you here today. I've got uh, Mark, Dr. Mark Winscheidel here. And Mark, I hope I pronounced your last name correctly, but Mark is a professor of science teaching and learning at the University of Washington. So uh, I can, there's no, I'm three hours ahead of you if you want to know the news before it happens, Mark, okay, here in Maine. Okay, you wrote a great book called Teaching Climate Change from Harvard Education Press. And I love the title, the subtitle, Fostering Understanding, Resilience, and a Commitment to Justice. All that under teaching climate change. We're the American Consortium for Equity in Education. That's, uh, we are the voice of that here at Education Talk Radio. That's why I was thrilled to learn about the book and invite Mark on, and he was able to get on today despite a busy schedule. So we really appreciate that. We're going to archive the show over at ace-ed.org. And everything we do over there at ace-ed.org at our home website for American Consortium for Equity in Education is free. Go over there, check it out, our Excellence in Equity Awards, which, of course, anybody can check out over there. Nominate yourself, your colleagues, your school, et cetera, et cetera, companies you work with, whatever the case may be. All right, go over there. Please participate. We do get an awful lot of nominees coming in. We love it. And we have our judges, literally we do, standing by. Okay, all of our podcasts are over there, and also our magazine, which is an online journal called Equity and Access. Everything's right there. Everything's free for you over at ace-ed.org. And I'm going to connect up on the other side of the country. Mark, it's Larry here. How you doing? Hi, Larry. I'm doing very well, and you're right. It's the coffee hour here in Seattle, but I'm happy to be here with you. Do you want to know, know any news that hasn't happened yet there because three hours earlier here, later here? No. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, would, okay. I would love to be able to predict the future, and that's kind of in line with the, you know, the climate change thing. That's what we do today. here. That's why we live here in Maine, so we can protect the, protect the future for the rest of the country. Okay, that's exactly right. No wonder you're a professor. I love it. It's great stuff. Hey, Mark, did I, did I pronounce your last name right? Is it Windscheidel? Help me. Uh, Windscheidel. Winchettel, thank you very much. I yeah. got to ask you. I, I, I love doing this. Is that Dutch? What is that? Winchettel. Oh, that's German. German, Austrian. German. Yeah. And do, do yeah. You know, does it mean something if you translate it out? Uh, yeah. it, I think some of my family did a background search, and it, it means something like wind in the woods. Not quite sure. Yeah. There you go. Okay. It, I always find that interesting when you see an unusual name like that, and then you can go back and kind of trace what it means. Sometimes you can figure out family history and all that sort of stuff. Okay, so you know, just was curious. Okay, the book, Mark. Uh, by the way, how long have you been at the University of Washington? You husky, you. Well, I've been out here in Seattle at the university for 27 years, wow. and um, relevant to the book, I, you know, I've had this life as an academic researcher and someone who prepares teachers for, for teaching and for also for leadership. But I also previously was a K-12 teacher myself back in the Midwest for 13 years. And that has, has always helped me write uh, for an education audience in ways that I think are a little bit more authentic than had I not been a teacher myself.
Mark, are you there? Yes, I'm still here. Yeah, Can I wish I was. The uh, What happened, all of a sudden, my phone line just went dead. I don't know what happened. Okay? Oh, so, okay. Yeah, I apologize for that, everybody. It was a blank of about 30 seconds there. I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, boom, it just just disconnected for some reason. Welcome to life in Maine. Who knows why it happened. Okay, so we're back on. Go back again. Talk about your life in K-12 and what you're doing there, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I was just saying that I had been here at the University of Washington for 27 years as an academic I researcher. Heard that. And yep. you heard that part. Okay. I heard so that part. Here's the part you may, you may not have heard that before that I had a career as a K-12 science teacher. And so that has always helped me write for an educational yeah. audience since I know what the life of the teacher is like. Right. And that is excellent. And I hope you tell your kids that you, your students that you're teaching every day, what the life of a teacher is like. And I have to ask you this, you know, I, I just because you are a professor of science teaching and learning, okay, I, I'm always concerned and everyone is concerned and you are concerned that fewer and fewer people are getting involved in education, okay? They're not looking, at, there's not enough people looking to it as a profession. And I'm curious, how are we doing, before we get into your book, how are we doing, all right, at the University of Washington, as just an example, since you're there, do, do we find a, a nice cohort of new students? What's going on? Mark? Yeah, I think at the University of Washington, we have a high-quality program, and people know it. I know and you do. So, yeah, we have, we have great people coming into the pre- profession, and they yes. inspire us as, as yeah. uh, teacher educators ourselves. So it goes both ways. Now, I would say about the teacher shortage nationwide, um, one of our premier education policy scholars, Linda Darling-Hammond from Stanford, always says mm-hmm. that there, can't, there are teacher shortages, but they are in different places in the United States. It's not uniformly problematic across the whole country. Now, I don't want to gloss over the fact that teachers are working in under-resourced schools, and they Absolutely. often get disempowered by local policy, and you know all the pressure that teachers are under with things like book bans and you know, individual parents coming in and saying, I do not want you to teach about this, that, or the other thing. So, there, yeah, there are challenges to teaching, and people coming into the profession know about that, but they're still coming in, especially to into the high-quality preparation programs. Thank you very much. That was good, and I just hope that continues. And I'm always trying to check in when I can see somebody that uh, talk to somebody that's down in the trenches. For goodness' sakes, you wrote the book. Thank you for that. And I think the book is important. Even it's a good segue. Your book is called Teaching Climate Change, and climate change is something fairly new. Let's put it that way. Okay, you know we've had, we've known about it for years, but yeah, now that we're really seeing it this summer everywhere. Okay, and people are feeling it. You know, it's just been a crazy summer weather-wise, et cetera, et cetera. Well, suddenly it's affecting people, and it's really affecting people quite deeply. Okay, and the time has come, okay, to look at climate change as part of education because our goal is to create people of the future who are going to work in the, in the jobs that we all need to create a better society. All right? Wait, wait, you, you wrote this book, and I'm just going to use the subtitle, Fostering Understanding, Resilience, and a Commitment to Justice. I love that because we're the Consortium for Equity and Education. And by the way, Mark, you're always welcome to write for us if you want. We'll just stay in touch on that. If you want to, we, we will offer you a forum to do whatever you want to do for our magazine and website. 
Okay, but my my talk about the need for teaching climate change now, and to me, Mark, it matters even for teacher retention. All right, we've got to excite teachers with new and exciting things and methods and pedagogies to teach. That keeps people alive and in their profession. And I just think what you're writing here is really, really important on so many levels. So I'll just ask the easy question. Why would you write the book? What did you say? Well, uh, let me talk about your most recent comment about teachers always want to teach stuff that's engaging. And and you're absolutely right. Climate change is front of mind for most people who who actually keep up with the news. And, and or, or, li- or, live teachers, in the, or live in the news on Earth, or, or living on Earth. That's another good, a good uh, criteria. If they live on Earth, they better be oh, yeah. on Earth. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned how people are feeling it this year at, with, the, with the heat waves and the hurricanes and yeah. the, and and the, the drought, right, and the floods. I mean, it's all happening. It, it, it's like that movie, everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah. That, that <laughs> is true. going to be what's happening for the next thousand years unless we take action fast. And the we includes teachers because the teachers are what we call these quote-unquote trusted messengers of climate change ideas to kids. And one of the reasons I wrote the book was um, I just I knew what the role of educators were, and it's a substantial role in shifting social norms towards accepting climate change, accepting the consequences if we don't act, but also having a high literacy, climate, a high level of climate literacy among the general population, people who understand the, the basics and understand that it's more than just the greenhouse effect. Um, mm-hmm. this is, it's, kind of prob- it's kind of problematic that it's called climate change for teachers because a bunch of teachers sitting around in a high school um, department meeting might think, well, just our earth science teacher should address climate change because they're going to talk about the greenhouse effect, the carbon cycle, and that's about it. But climate change is way more than that. It involves yeah, the air we breathe. It involves the water we drink. It involves disease spreading around the world. But it also involves hope and joy and resilience, it involves the arts, and it involves storytelling from language sure. arts, and certainly That's involves right. mathematics. It involves every teacher around that table. And when they find that out, they know that they're going to be teaching something authentic and engaging to kids, Not, notwithstanding the fact that it's going to be a little problematic in that kids are going to be, you know, they have climate anxiety, a lot of them, and so you have to become, you have to add something to your pedagogical repertoire. You have to add the ability to talk with kids on an emotional level about uh, how they're coping with climate change. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you said that, you know, as as, as you well know, okay, social-emotional learning, SAL, is incredibly important these days. It's one of the top things that most educators are concerned about, certainly school districts, et cetera. And, it, and, and you brought up the thing, this fear of climate, okay, a climate anxiety, and, quote, you also called it an echo, E-C-O, or eco grief, all right? And teachers have that. We're scared. We're scared, and so are kids, okay? They see this stuff. I mean, you look at what happened in Greece in the last, Greece and Turkey, okay, wildfires and then, then floods, 
I mean, it's like biblical plagues, for goodness sake. Okay? It's, it's, yeah. And these people didn't do anything. All right? And, and it's really yeah. quite scary. Okay, what's going on? And I want to get back to the term climate anxiety, eco grief. Have you, have you, as, as I, I mean, you wrote it here, but is that something that's really out there? I really haven't heard those terms before. And with kids, I had no idea this was something, I mean, I could see where it would cause it, but I had no idea it actually was happening. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would say if, if your listeners take away one thing from our conversation this morning, it probably should not be how wonderful my book is, but it should be <laughs> that we have to take we have to take climate anxiety by our children very seriously. And I just want to underline that there was a recent study done of 10,000 kids around the world. This includes the U.S., mm-hmm. Europe, Australia, the Philippines. 10,000 kids and young adults and about 70% said the future is frightening to them. And other data in that survey indicate clearly that children have anxiety about specifically, not just the future in general, but about about the future with regard to the climate and Mm -hmm. how they're going to live in the world in the future. And Mm -hmm. so you're right about there's there's kind of two... (laughs) There's kind of two issues. One is climate anxiety, which is forward-looking into the future, anticipating what's going to happen. And then there's eco-grief, which is a backwards-looking sentiment in which you have some despair or sadness about what's already been lost, parts of our ecosystem. You know, know, and, and I'm just talking right now about the kids in general, but... Children of color, more so than white kids, uh, are aware of climate change, are concerned about it, and actually are involved in activism. Our indigenous brothers and sisters, their children have been, as as their parents were, disenfranchised from the land that connected them to every living thing. Absolutely. And so it, it, it is a problem of social justice for sure. No, it, it really is. I have to ask you, how is it manifesting itself? This is very interesting. And I, again, I want to teaching climate change, a commitment to justice. We're talking about social justice. How do you see it manifesting? I'm going to what you used, African-American kids. That, to me, was a very, very interesting point. Okay? Talk about that. Well, That's really um, something. Yeah, I, I think that um, folks like me, and, and I'm, I'm Caucasian, <laughs> male, you know, I... I was not aware, a few years ago, I was just not aware of the environmental activism that was started way back in the 1970s by a woman named uh, Hazel Johnson in Chicago, uh, trying to figure out why black communities there were always situated around uh, toxic chemical plants and landfills. Ah. And so she started the environmental activism movement, environmental justice movement, and not a lot of white people are aware of that. These, those one. communities have been studying things like damage to the environment before climate, came, climate change came along. So we're, you know, we, people like me, we're just getting on board now, but we have to understand yeah. the history That's of the people generous. who have been concerned about this for decades, and we need to learn from them, especially and we got to, how to be activists. Yeah, we have to incorporate that. Into, into, into education, 
so that ch- children understand the environment that they are in and, and the environment they're going to inherit, if I may. Okay, which is, which is really, it's, it's really just an amazing thing. And I want to talk to you about something many, a thousand years ago when I was a teacher, okay, me and the other four, I was a history teacher, we had science, math, and English. We all got together, we created a special curriculum on uh, endangered species. And this is back in the 70s, early 70s, okay. We, they gave us a block of four sections, and we had those kids, anyway, we wanted them, the four teachers, for a block of four hours a day, okay? And the kids loved it because yeah. they love animals, and we were able to do that. So I did it. I did endangered species from a social, social point of view, science, obviously, math, used endangered species to teach mathematics, and English, of course, they did some reading and writing on it. And it worked great. Yeah. And what you said, it did. The kids, kids loved it. The teachers loved it, too. We were being the three other guys. We loved it, okay? It was, it was just a lot of fun. We had our own thing to do, and, of course... I don't know how many people do it, but this, but this thing that these days, but, you know, climate change, and you said this better than I ever could, is, a, is an interdisciplinary thing, okay? It's, a, it's not science, it's not math, it's, not, it's everything, okay? And it's affecting everything. And talk to me about your book. You know, you are a science educator, but how are you, when you talk about this and show your book to your, to your fellow educators who teach future history teachers, future math teachers, et cetera, how do they look at what you're doing? Because I think it's very important we make this interdisciplinary, and I think it's engaging for the teachers and engaging for the kids. Mark? Oh, oh yeah. It's, I mean, every think tank that's writing about educational policy and transformation right now uh, in the United States and elsewhere in the world, they're all talking about the same things. Uh, social-emotional learning, uh, a holistic approach to education, and interdisciplinary uh, curriculum they're all advising that we go in those directions. And so interdisciplinary is hugely important. You know, the way we've divided up subjects in our schools um, is is kind of artificial. You know, science doesn't exist without math, and social studies doesn't exist without narratives from language arts, for example. And so without science, without science, it's an engineering social study. It's ridiculous. It's crazy to to, uh, silo them. It's nuts. Never yeah. So when kids, yeah, when kids see that their teachers are collaborating together and helping the kids see how interwoven social studies is with language arts and math and science, and they're all working on a complex problem or question together for a sustained period of time, that's that's authentic work. It's problem solving like adults do out in the world right. and you use every tool you got to think of those different disciplines as different tools intellectual tools to get to get answers and get work done and so kids feel like yeah i've got some mastery over these different disciplines yeah we 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 just we just got to do this i mean it's just boy i mean if we don't do something about it soon we're really going to pay the price we already are paying the price for goodness sakes and it, you know this is the way education has to has to really change and you know what you were saying a few minutes ago about um how poverty affects uh, 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 the, uh, poverty affects the environment i was thinking I, I just read something about it you know in india they put that union carbide plant back in the 70s in the worst that the worst part of the country and of course the place exploded one day Okay, yeah. and uh, killed killed all those thousands of people. Okay, poisoned to death. Okay, by this uh, Union Carbide plant. Yeah, you know, forty, fifty years ago, whatever that was. 
and or not on that level, but in certain levels, okay, it affects you know the minority groups here, all right. And my 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 question is, you know, we are talking about eco grief, we're talking about the uh, climate anxiety, uh, but. Uh, with the SEL and all that, and all the already uh, the, the mental challenges in schools today, what grades do you see this coming into? Okay, how do you see it working, and, and how do you set up for such a program to make sure that you're okay, that the kids are okay? Well, there's a. I should tell you that nobody has got a a well-researched super well-grounded regimen for talking to kids about their emotions. There is really good work being done, but I can tell your listeners that we are at the beginning of the beginning of trying to figure this out. So here's, here's what we do know. Kids, the majority of kids in your classroom will have some anxiety about the future. They might not talk about it, but that should not fool you as a teacher. You really have to begin a conversation with them if you plan on teaching a unit on climate change, which is like three to six weeks of connected lessons, or maybe like some of my colleagues in Los Angeles that I'm working with, uh, they're going to teach an entire year's course focusing on climate change, uh, solutions, resilience. they got a whole course on it. But whether it's a unit you're teaching or a full year, you've got to have either one conversation, that's the minimum, about how, what emotions they feel, or you can have a series of conversations about your emotions. And it, it helps to have kids name their emotions. I don't, I was skeptical, skeptical about this research finding at first, but it seems to be pretty uniform. When you say climate anxiety, that is not one emotion. That's a mix of different emotions. Oh, and it point. can be confusing. So it can be, it can be things ranging from uh, despair to hopelessness to anger and everything yeah. in between those. It's just, so just naming specifically the emotions you're feeling, what's in that stew that we call eco-anxiety, for example, just by itself that is helpful for kids. And we also know from research that the anxiety itself is not the challenge for teachers. It's how do you help kids cope with their anxiety? Right. And so there are, we don't have time on our, on our show today to talk about those specific strategies, but there are some on the companion website to the book. And so teachers can look, up, can look up about how to talk to kids about their climate emotions and find out uh, more. Okay. And uh, you, gave me the, you gave me the climate change. Climate, I'll put it up here. Climate-change-educator.org, right? Climate-change-educator. Yeah, yeah, okay. That'll be up here. Yeah. Yeah, great. Okay, this is this is really important. What grades are you looking at? I mean, you were a science teacher. What you were, grade? Maybe you were, were you, yeah, what grades are you looking at? When is a kid too young to well, learn this? Yeah, that's real, that is really important. And a lot of people doing this research are developmental psychologists, so they're very tuned in to when are kids too young to have these conversations. And so yeah. um, I think it is around, I think it's uh, somewhere between seven years old and younger than that, you do have to be careful. Kids cannot quite yet comprehend the idea of worry about the future because of something as abstract as a climate. Once you get past those very early elementary years, kids are become aware 
quite readily of what's going on. And then you can engage with them in particular age-appropriate um, ways. And then when kids get to be young adults, they get into high school, there's a slightly different set of conversations you can have with them. And you can grow into conversations about not just coping with anxiety, but taking up action, choosing solutions for your community, studying mm -hmm. those solutions, maybe putting some of those solutions into practice, that activism becomes part of the child's repertoire as, as, as soon as they get into middle school, they should start thinking that way, that I can make a change, especially if I do it on a collective level with my peers, with my school, with my community. And I have to, I, I assume you have <clears throat> talked about this with, <clears throat> excuse me, with curriculum directors, that sort of thing. You know, you put, you put together an important book here. What is their reaction when, when they see what you're trying to accomplish here? Well, the, nearly every, uh, and the, let me let me all, put it in a bit. Uh, one of the one of the reasons I'm asking that is because whether we like it or not, K-12 education is pretty much a bureaucracy. Okay, it really is. Yeah. The, the change of bureaucracy, just read Franz Kafka if, if you want to change that. Okay, so we yeah. have to figure out a game plan. Okay, to to do that. And I'm, I'm just curious, where do they sit? When you talk to them, and I know you do, you research this pretty well, what, what's their reaction? Well, th there was an interesting uh, poll done just last year about administrators uh, responding to the question about whether climate change gets taught in their schools. Oh, and way more administrators said, oh, yes, we're talking about climate change, way more <laughs> said that, indicated yes, then their own teachers did. Sometimes there was a 20% difference in between what administrators perceived was being taught and what actually was being taught. So I'll start with that. But yeah. <laughs> parents, by and, large, by and large, parents want their kids to understand climate change. And sometimes there are ideological differences. Some parents may not want their kids to know about climate change. A lot of, a lot of Well, I don't know what's going on. All of a sudden, Mark just uh, dropped. I don't know what's going on today. All right, I dropped a few minutes ago, and then Mark just did. So I guess I'm going to have to end the show. We're almost done anyway, to tell you the truth. But uh, I, I didn't give him a chance to finish his statement, for goodness sakes. I'll get him back on here. We'll continue this conversation. Let's see if he calls in in the next few minutes. This is really interesting, and I'm telling you, I had good luck with interdisciplinary approach. Okay, to this kind of information. And some of the other teachers didn't like it that we were doing this, but we did it. And we got national attention back in those days for setting up an interdisciplinary program that talked to back in those days about endangered species. Here's Mark. Okay, let's see if we can get him back on here. It, it works. Mark, yeah, I don't I'm know. On, All of a sudden, you dropped off. <laughs> the, the, the tech gods are against Maybe us today. Please continue your we're thought. <laughs> We're too far apart, Larry. You're in Maine, and I'm in I don't know what it is. Yeah, I'm going to blame okay. Illinois. It's kind of in the middle, okay? And we'll go from there. I don't know what they're doing out there. Okay? Yeah. Please continue. I apologize. So, I was asking you how the, how the school districts, the administrators, et cetera, are viewing this, and I love the fact that the teachers are saying 20% different from what the administrators are saying, which is 
what can yeah. I tell you? Yeah. You know, perception. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. But, Please continue parents, your thought. Thanks for calling back in. Yeah. Okay. Uh, parents do want their kids, really, by and large, to learn about climate change. They may not want, um, they may not want a lot of ideological talk by teachers, but even the most conservative parents do want their kids to understand the basic science. And so teachers can feel pretty, pretty comfortable in most parts of the country. Now, there are exceptions. There are pockets in the country. There are states, as we know, that are highly conservative. And states where, you know, talk about climate change is virtually banned from classrooms. Nonetheless, teachers are on the vanguard. They're, they're actually doing the teaching, even in those states where it may not appear in the standards. So, um, yeah, par- parents want this to happen. Teachers, by and large, want it to happen. They, teachers will really push They don't, without against. question. Yeah, but, and but if you get a couple too. Re- I was yeah. going to say, if you get a couple extreme people on your school board, um, parents will push back against the school board about what, what gets taught. Good, good. And, again, you know, they, they, you know a lot of these parents are and, – and it gets down to it's kind of this whole thing with Ron DeSantis. Oh, I don't want kids to feel guilty. So, therefore, we're not going to teach uh, black history in the way it should be taught, okay, because people might feel guilty. That's okay if you feel guilty. That's something you have to work through if something's going on, okay? Nobody's blaming anybody. Nobody today is responsible for all this, okay? But we have, the, we have to change it, okay? And yeah. that's what, that's what yeah. we have to make the change. You can't, you can't move full go. You can't go to finish the journey unless you know where you've been, okay? Yes. It's that there, simple. Yeah. There, there's no coincidence that places like place, some places do not want you to learn about black history and the same places do not want you to learn about evolution. They don't want you to learn about uh, the uncomfortable um, things that we currently know about climate change. It's not a coincidence that the same places are banning all of those things that they feel are uncomfortable truths. They're also banning local books about those things. Well, what I always like to say is nobody ever had the opportunity to ask the ostrich when he put his head in the sand if that worked as the lion was eating him. Okay? <laughs> Putting your head in the sand. Putting your head in the sand. Yeah. It's not going to help. And my favorite line about all this, okay, was from Neil deGrasse Tyson, the astrophysicist. When he was asked, you know, what about people who don't like climate change? He looked, he said, nature doesn't care. It's happening whether you believe it or not. It's happening. So you better get, get on the stick and, and get, get, think about it, you know, because it's yeah, happening yeah, anyway. You know. Nature doesn't care, okay? And yeah. we've got to do something about it because I don't know if you know this, Mark, but we don't have any other planets to go to in the next couple of years. This oh is it. yeah, thanks for reminding me about that. Very. Yeah, no problem. I'm sorry to give you. I'm sorry to give you climate anxiety at the end of the show. Okay, but no, we don't no, have no. another planet to go to. Yeah. So what you're doing is great. And you said what you said they're, they're working on it in L.A. Oh, can you say that again, Larry? Taking your book again, teaching climate change. Okay, uh, fostering understanding, resilience, and commitment to justice. So you taking this, where are they, are they putting it into effect in the districts? You mentioned L.A. before. Oh, yeah. I've been working with, see, when I started writing the book, I said I cannot write this book sitting in my office at home. I have to get out into classrooms. And so the book yeah. features a third-grade classroom, a seventh-grade classroom, and a tenth-grade classroom. And I 
I got access to the classrooms and in some cases got a lot of access to what the kids were producing, what they were saying. Oh, great. And so that was, that was wonderful. So I had to be in classrooms um, Good man. to do this. And so the LA work is, um, yeah, they're, they're teachers, two, two teachers working together to develop and teach a whole year's curriculum around climate change topics. But I should say, whenever you teach about climate change, you also have to teach about solutions and regeneration and resilience. That fosters a sense of hope. So that's what these LA teachers are bringing to their curriculum as well as the hard truths about climate change itself. I, I think it's, uh, I, I just think it's so important what you're doing, Mark. That's why I wanted to bring you on today. And I wish you good luck with the book. It's Harvard Education Press. You went to the top there. That's great, man. Teaching climate change. Mark, that's great, man, I'll tell you. Mark, Mark Winchell. Well, thank you, Larry. Okay. Well, oh, it's terrific. And, you know, it's important. I hope you put your head on the pillow every night and take a good night's sleep because what you're doing is really important. Okay? And get your colleagues in all those other departments outside of science teaching to understand that this is an interdisciplinary thing. Okay? Uh, well, this is the kind of thing that engages kids and engages teachers. Okay? Thanks, Mark. Okay. You're a good man. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's Mark Winchell. Okay, and this is cool stuff, and it's important. Fostering Understanding, Resilience, and a Commitment to Justice, the book's Teaching Climate Change. And I will add um, the, uh, the um, website to uh, the companion, I couldn't think of the word, the companion website to uh, the description in just a few minutes. I'm Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. Thanks for listening. 